You know, buying your first home the past few years, it feels like you're trying to do some crazy world record giant climb, like trying to climb Mount Everest because the inventory right now, we're only at about a million homes in the United States. And I know that sounds like a lot of homes for sale, but that's 40% less than the average number of homes for sale in the last 25 years, 40% less choices so that means your usual, you know, call buying a home, a climb up a hill. Well, now it feels like you're climbing the world's tallest mountain. So what are you going to do about it? Well, let's talk about it. Play that music. What is up my how to buy a homies boy i don't know how this episode is gonna go uh welcome to the how to buy a home podcast i am your host david sedoni and this is my second attempt second attempt to do this podcast in the middle of the night but well, it's not quite the middle of the night it's like 10 o'clock here uh but yeah i did this once it was ready to go home checked it and oops forgot to turn on the correct microphone so now this is take two uh, and homies, I am excited to bring this content for you. Actually, this is something that uh, I've had in my notes on my phone for a long time. And of course, the climb up Mount Everest, well, it's due to one of the main factors that I'm telling first-time buyers all the time right now, something you should be very keenly aware of. Say it with me now, everybody. Low inventory here in 2023 and likely going to be there in 24 and probably into 25. When the home that you are choosing from is 40% less than the average number of homes that you usually get to choose from for all of the 2000s, every year that doesn't have a 19 in front of it, all 23 of them, 40% off of that average, including the fatty crash we had in 08 to 2012. How on earth are you supposed to make this climb and get to the summit? Well, here's what I'm going to do this episode. First, I'm going to give you quickly a bunch of tips that will help that world record mountain seem a little bit smaller. I'm going to give you quick down and dirty answers to the commonly asked questions and also make sure that we go over some of the big misconceptions that I hear a lot of people talk about. A lot of times when I'm talking to people and they're figuring out if they can or if they should buy their first home, it feels a lot like a math word problem. Remember those? Remember those word problems? Like I've got 10 apples in one hand and 13 oranges in the other hand. What do I have? Big hands. That's what you have. Oh, there it is. I told you it was going to get silly. Dad joke. But it's not a dad joke. It's a rad joke. I'm wearing the t-shirt. Dad jokes. I think you mean rad jokes. I just showed the t-shirt for those of you uh, watching this on YouTube. Yeah, I'm recording this right after Father's Day. I was with my family all weekend. And now I'm at the office and they're probably all going to bed. 
Uh, okay, here's some basic, simple answers, some tips to the common questions, and some details on where you can get more deep dive information. It's going to make you feel so much better about what unfortunately might feel like climbing your own personal Mount Everest. Give you the insight to realize that when you have the right guidance and the right education, it should feel more like climbing a small hill. All right, first up, bad credit and a bad credit score. Lots of people think that you can't buy a home because of that bad credit score. And what's worse is there are lots more skeezy salespeople out there that are telling you that you can buy a home with only a 580 credit score. Can you buy a home with a 580 credit score? Yes, you absolutely can. Should you? I don't know about that. What I actually try to do is I tell all my people to go back and I say, hey, come on in. You're a homie now. Listen to episode three, eight, 56, 61, 64, and episode 90. That's everything you ever want to know about your credit score and buying a home because your credit score for buying a home is something totally different. Now, here's some of the highlights. Can you buy a home with a 580 credit score? Yes, some people, depending on your debt-to-income ratio, you can indeed get a mortgage. Now, the next step up, the universally accepted low credit score for a conventional loan, because the 580 credit score, that's for an FHA. But a conventional loan, those start at 620. Now, after 17 years of helping people with this process, because yes, get your shot glasses ready, daddy's old, drink. Uh, I have found a lot of tricks and tips that can boost your credit score up pretty quickly. So a lot of times people come to me, we're not going out to buy a home just that weekend. Maybe it's going to take a month or two to get everything together. Well, in that couple of months, I suggest that you work your credit score up because that's going to save you a ton of money in the home buying process in just a couple of months. And imagine what you could do if you did this for six or nine or 12 months. Well, you're going to be able to buy so much more home for so much less money. Now, most of the tips, they do take at least two to three months, if not more, though. Sometimes you can do something called a rapid rescore. It costs you a little bit of money, but you can get things done in as quickly as 72 hours. Um, and as you're working your credit score, you're going to realize that every 20 points that you go up, you pass a new tier to the home lenders. And each higher tier that you get by 20 points, they're going to give you a better loan and possibly even better loan programs. So if you're starting at 620, maybe we can do a 640, a 660, a 680. You understand how counting by 20s works. And finally, uh, this one little piece I want to give you, if you're above 760, there are no higher tiers. There is no 780, no 800, no 820, okay? If you're sitting there with an 815 credit score, stop freaking out you're fine. Your credit score could drop 45 points and you'd still be golden. So I know that wasn't the exact math, but you get the idea. So don't rush out to buy a home when you've got a 600 credit score, if that's not something you need to do. What I tell people is you might be better off working a guided plan to boost your credit score because look, you're going to have to save some money during that time anyway and do some planning, pick the neighborhood, talk to the realtor, talk to the lender, but start with your credit score first because it takes time. All the tips I mentioned in the episodes uh, that I mentioned to you earlier and do not sleep on the holy grail of tips. The authorized user. Oh, 
the authorized user. I would tell you to Google it, but you're probably going to hear a bunch of bad stuff. And there actually are some scams out there about it. So go back, listen to episode three and eight. I think that's where I talk about it. Uh, but the authorized user, I use myself at 49 years old. I became an authorized user on my dad's credit score and my score jumped 40 points in just a few days. It's magic. Okay. Speaking of credit scores, we'll go to our next tip. Let's talk about this one. Let's talk about not wanting to talk to a lender or a unicorn team because you didn't want to get your credit pulled because you know that's a hit on your credit score. Now, I love you guys. I'm being as empathetic, as compassionate as I can, but let me say, well, well let me say this. This is not your fault that you think this. And, and I'm not judging you because you assume this, but let me talk to you like I would talk to my best friends, okay? This is the biggest mistake I see first-time buyers make, like the biggest, costing people tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars. People use not wanting to get their credit pulled to be the reason why they don't start planning. The main thing you have to understand is that is one aspect of your planning. There could be dozens and dozens of things that you do, moving money around, figuring out the planning, adjusting your 401k and working with your savings and adjusting your retirement, how much you put in, how much you take out. All There's so many things, I can't even ramble them off. But people will not start all of that other planning, which is so much more important than just three to four points on your credit score. And so they don't talk to a lender. I, I, I can't stress this enough. This is a bad, bad strategy. Waiting to talk to a pro because you don't want the credit hit of a hard pull that you assume going against you. Waiting because of that is 100% not in your best interest. It's not smart. It is not your best play. It is not what you want to do. It's weak sauce. It's counterproductive. It's cap. It's wrong. It's incorrect. And if you're my best friend, I would tell you it's just stupid. But then I would hug you and tell you, dude, it's not your fault. It's not your fault you think that. But I'm just telling you, it's kind of stupid to let a credit pull be the thing that keeps you from starting a plan of a thousand other things. We've been told that each credit inquiry can hurt your score. Yes, it can, but it only hurts at a few points. And you don't even have to get a hard credit pull to talk to somebody and get free information six months, nine months, a year before you buy a home. But the problem is that fear and along with a little bit of uh, uh, people thinking they can do this on their own, you combo those together and suddenly people are have this theory based on completely incomplete information. Now, look, if you're going out and you're getting, uh, want to buy a TV or get a credit card, yeah, I understand. You don't want to get your credit pulled right before you do that, but you're just buying something small or getting a credit card. You could do the same thing in a couple months and you're probably going to be approved for the same TV or the same credit card. That is not the case with a home. You've got large pieces that you're going to be moving around, things you need to figure out, your DTI and adjusting what your taxes look like, everything. This is gigantic. But what's hysterical is people stop because of that one little three or four point credit pull. This is a big, fatty purchase. And your credit score and where it sits, yes, I understand that could cost you 
hundreds of, or it costs you maybe tens of thousands of dollars or maybe hundreds of dollars or maybe, you know, 10, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars over the life of the loan. It could. But stop using the rules for buying a, a, a TV. <laughs> I, I Seriously, I would look at my best friend and I would say, look, dude, this is my jam. I can tell you that you can get all the information that you want from a unicorn team six months, a year, a year and a half ahead of time. They do something called a soft pull, which is not a hard pull, which is what gives you that credit inquiry, which by the way is only three or four points. But regardless, most of the good people are doing a soft pull and not doing a hard pull. And then after my friend probably made a whole bunch of crude jokes about hard pulls and soft pulls, I would tell him first, <laughs> nice one. That was funny. Then I would say, look, the good lenders, they're not even doing hard pulls anymore. And if you are three, six or nine months out and you're not calling them because you're afraid of a hard pull, well, first of all, they're just going to do a soft pull. And second of all, not working the plan just because of a couple points on your credit score is like trying to climb Mount Everest without a guide. Don't do it, dummy. Hashtag truth bomb. Okay. Next tip. A lot of people tell me, dude, I waited to get started on my planning because I don't have enough for down payment. First of all, the average down payment in 2022 was only 7% down for first-time homebuyers, period. <laughs> you can get a conventional loan, not even an FHA. FHA loans are great. A lot of people use them, 3.5% down. If you have the right DTI and the right income, you can get a conventional for only 3% down. For more information on that, you can listen to, oh, I don't know, every single episode in YouTube and Instagram and TikTok that I've ever produced because I say it over and over and over and over and over. There are tons of things to help you guys with the your down payment. There are first-time homebuyer grants. There are down payment assistance programs. You can get a co-signer. If you serve military at any point in your life, uh, you can get a VA loan or you can use a USDA loan in rural areas. Why do I tell you about the VA and the USDA? Because those are zero down. Now, you can put more down if you want to, but you can do those at zero down. We've talked a lot about people using their 401k or their IRA or their retirement for a non-taxable, no-penalty withdrawal for a purchase of a primary residence. Or if you're contributing monthly to your retirement, I've had a lot of people that have talked about changing their contributions to the retirement and putting it into a savings account for a down payment, understanding that that is a diversification of two long-term financial assets that are going to benefit them down the road. It's a 30-year loan, not a 30-week loan. This is a big, long investment. And there are tons of tips for helping you automate and change your saving habits to help you build that down payment savings account. Back, way back, starting at episode 19, I think is where we did how to financially prepare to buy for your home. And there's a lot of stuff in the old episodes. And if you are one of the lucky people that does have the good fortune of family or friends that might be thinking of helping you out and contributing to possibly your down payment, your closing costs or something to help you buying a home. Every Thanksgiving, I do the epic down payment assistance program used by thousands of people every single year. It's begging your friends and family for money because renting sucks. So the next tip that I've got for you to help what feels like climbing Mount Everest feel a little bit more like, oh, I don't know, climbing the rock wall at your gym. Let's talk about how to overcome the new high mortgage interest rates. Everyone's talking about it, but 
you know what I've done? Uh, instead of me telling you about what works, because um, I'm I'm not a lender. I'm just a first-time homebuyer educator. Um, I actually have a whole bunch of real people who found ways to work around the high mortgage interest rate. And they've got a bunch of different tips and tricks. There are uh, mortgage rate buy-down programs, 321 and 21. They talk about those. They talk about refinancing options down the line. They talk about house hacking. They talk about using a lower down payment so they can keep extra cash in the bank. And then every month, because their payment is higher than they anticipated because they have a higher mortgage interest rate, they pull $300, $400, $800 from the $10,000, $70,000 they had in the bank because instead of doing 25% down, they did 20% down. Or instead of doing 20% down, they did 5% down. Because 15% in the bank can be a lot of money for you to pull from for months and months and months. But again, I'm not going to tell you about it. Listen to them. You can listen to episodes 163. 166, 167, 60, 169, 170, 173, 181, 182, 184, 185, 187, 189, and 193. I reached out to everybody last fall and said, who's got a story? Now, these are stories from people buying in that six, seven, seven and a half percent time period. These are stories from people who no one in their family had ever bought a home before. Stories from single women buying homes. Stories from blue-collar people buying homes. And stories from doctors and people with PhDs and people in the tech industry who actually, those folks right there, had actually been saving for years before checking in with the podcast, checking in with the Unicorn team, finding out the real math, and realizing they could pull the trigger a lot sooner. And there are plenty more stories in the back archives, but those dozen or so that I mentioned to you right now, those are when the interest rates were high. And they not only found out that buying a home with the high interest rate was something they could do, but it was the best thing for them to do. And they used a lot of those tips I mentioned earlier to get it done. So listen to them instead of listening to me. Wait, did I just say don't listen to me? Oh, my wife and kids, I really hope they don't hear this episode. Okay, the next big tip to climb that Mount Everest of buying a home in this crazy market, this is two of the big three. When you're starting to plan to buy a home, first of all, don't do it by yourself. Second of all, these are the big three that you start with. You start with savings, debt, and then the third one is credit score, but we already talked about that. Well, actually reverse that. Credit score is first because that takes time. Then you need to work on your savings and your debt. And I know that a lot of people out there when they're trying to buy a home, it can feel like trying to climb Mount Everest, the world's tallest mountain. And inevitably, something crazy pops up. A weird bill. Transmission goes out. Someone falls and gets hurt. And now we got an emergency room trip we got to pay for. Right? Happens every time. It's Murphy's Law. You guys have heard of Murphy's Law, right? Uh, it's something interesting in real estate, though, if you heard about Cole's Law. Yeah, that's where everything can go wrong does go wrong, but you also get a side of thinly sliced cabbage and mayonnaise. Cole's Law. Oh, oh, there it is. Dad jokes. They're not dad jokes. They're rad jokes. And if you don't like them, what? You going to tell me to put a sock in it? Okay, maybe not. Maybe because you're not 84 years old. 
But yeah, you guessed it. Second time recording this, you get a, why do we say that? It's me. I can scream in the office and nobody can stop me. Why do we say put a sock in it? Well, because those old record players, you know, the gramophones, the ones with the horns that come out that amplify the sound. You guessed it. Stick a sock in it. There you go. Okay. Okay, I'm sorry. I had to take a sip of water from all of that radness. Okay, back to your uh, two out of the big three, debt and savings. First up, student loans. Talk about debt. Can't talk about it without talking about student loans. This is discussed in several of the episodes, and the bottom line is this. Don't think it's a deterrent until you get a professional opinion. There are literally, yes, that term used correctly. Please stop saying literally if you don't mean literally. But there are literally dozens of examples in the episode catalog of people with hundreds of thousands of student loan debt who, after talking to a unicorn support planning team, they realized that they could still qualify to buy a home even with that giant student loan looming over their heads. And then... Once they got the numbers together, they actually figured out that it was the best way for them to get financially stable down the road was to stop paying rent and start building their accumulated wealth by owning a home. And that meant that in the long run, they were going to be able to pay off their student loan sooner. As a reminder to any of you out there who are thinking that buying a home might not be the right call for you because you have too much debt or you don't have enough savings, or you don't want to be house poor. I do want to make sure that you understand that I'm here to support you, and I don't want anybody to feel like they're pushed into anything. Uh, I will drop a truth bomb on you if you reach out to me, and you can't buy a home. And in fact, a lot of times people reach out to me, and I'll go, oh, you can, but I don't even know if you should do this. No doubt. I'm going to tell you the truth. Bet. I am all about the real, real because I want everyone to make sure that they do this, they do this the right way. But one of the things I've seen over and over and over again is most people trying to save and reduce the debt on their own, most of them could have purchased way earlier than they thought and saved the hassle of paying to a landlord instead of paying to themselves. Episode 161, Sally, down from Florida. Sally bought at 7% last year. Now, do you think that was her dream? Hell no. <laughs> she's not a, an investor or a house flipper. I mean, th buying this home was her American dream. Check out her story. And then while you're, you know, flipping through old catalogs, again, go back, listen to the doctor and the PhDs in episodes 186 and 187. And the miracle stories from people in 189, 194, 195. And if you haven't heard it yet, uh, you go back and listen to Christina and Sean episode 167. Yeah, they made me cry. Seriously. Just, Regular people, regular jobs, regular credit scores, regular savings. But you know what? Their parents had never owned a home. They didn't think they could do it. Found the podcast, found a unicorn. Next thing you know, these first generation homeowners who never thought that they would buy a home, found a home and were so excited about buying a home, not just for them, being able to pass it on, creating generational wealth for their four-year-old daughter. I know that was me telling you to listen to a lot of people's stories, but all those people had debt and all those people realized that the debt 
was not a deterrent. So those are the basic tips to help you get started, to help you understand that this is not mission impossible, all right? Now that you know you can do this, maybe not today, but now at least you might be thinking, well, everyone says they did it sooner than I thought they could. Maybe that's for me too. With the right guide and the right planning, I'm telling you, listen to the interviews, homies. You don't have to listen to me and my stupid jokes. I do have some other advice to help climb the low inventory that we have right now, which is all of our Mount Everest. But before I get to that, I have to give you a quick reminder. I ain't about nothing but spilling knowledge. And thankfully, the How to Buy a Home revolution is growing. So you can hear from other people, all those listeners that I talked about, and people who use the podcast, use the tips and made it happen for them. Now, if you want to do that, go to www.getoffyourass.org. I'm not kidding. I bought that a little while ago when I made a podcast to tell people, get off your ass. Because I started this in 2019. Prices have been going up and people keep saying, it's going to crash. It's going to crash. It's going to crash. Nope. Because why? Say it with me. Low inventory. Yeah, gang. So go to getoffyourass.org. That'll send it. .net or .com was too expensive. So I love y'all. I'm not making that much money. speaking into a microphone in the middle of the night and then matchmaking you with someone random across the country, all right? Uh, <laughs> but uh, that sends you to howtobuyahome.com. Howtobuyahome.com is a place for you to ask me a question and get a personal plan started today. Today. All you have to do is hit ask a question, ask David. Give me some basic information so you can get a personal plan just for you, not cookie cutter, one size fits all. We're talking about working for a month maybe even a year, maybe two years. And the thing that's happening with this revolution is I have so many great people now who are excited to help you, excited as I am in this this, this mission for my retirement. I'll connect you with the team that's perfectly willing to work with you for free for a year or two and help you plan. We're even going to be launching something we're going to call the Last Lease Ever program very soon. Simple, easy, step-by-step things to do while you're trying to get everything together and then getting ready to sign that last lease and then we're on the 12-month plan to you getting a home. It's going to offer you expertise to you, the people who need it most, from these guides who have pledged that they're going to work in the unicorn fashion. They have pledged to me that they're going to give you the same enthusiasm, excitement, expertise, and real attention that you deserve. I've wrangled these unicorns to believe in my retirement mission, and we're looking to give it back to you. In fact, here's a note I just got. We're happy that we're under contract to buy a home. We certainly took our time in the process, but we're very happy that the home that we found fits all of our needs. Lori, our unicorn, was great in the process. I definitely recommend her to anyone else here in Des Moines. And then they go on and on talking about how Des Moines was great, but then they said, ooh, but one thing we did figure out, things move fast. So they mentioned in their note to me that having background information from the podcast was a great way to know what they were doing before things started moving very quickly. Because once you put an offer in, things move fast. So if you want to bone up on the loan approval, the negotiation, the appraisal, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that's what the podcast is for. So a little heads up for if you're looking to buy in 2023, you can always check out all the terms and definitions a to Z starts so somewhere in the 90s, I think, in the podcast. 
It says it right there. You can figure it out. Uh, and go through all the definitions of the terms and everything you need to know about buying a home. Okay, so we know the problem. Say it with me, low inventory. That is our Mount Everest. How do we beat it? Oh, you might not like the answer. It's one step at a time. Uh, what's really interesting is I don't know anyone who's personally climbed Mount Everest, but I do know two unicorns. I'm not kidding. I've had this in my phone, on my notes, since I heard them on a podcast months ago. I know two unicorns that climb Mount Kilimanjaro. If you don't know Mount Kilimanjaro, it's also known as K2. It's the second highest mountain in the world. Everest is 29,000 feet, but Kilimanjaro, it's 28,250 feet. It's like, it's like, really, one's just a little bit bigger, but so it's still nuts. And these crazy unicorns that I know, they decided, hey, yeah, we should climb that thing. <laughs> so I was listening to Scott and Carl talk about this. When they got there, they met their guide, the Sherpa. And the Sherpa told them at the beginning of their journey, told them, hey, guys, you're going to feel sick. You're going to get a headache. You're going to feel nauseous and you're going to throw up. But fortunately, these unicorns had worked the first time homebuyers before over the last few years where there were 20 bidders on every home. So they'd seen that type of reaction before. <laughs> Unfortunately for them, it was them this time. So uh, the two unicorns said, all right, fine, we're going to put our faith in the Sherpa. This guy has done it literally, term used correctly, literally over 500 times. They knew that the two of them, they'd never done this before. The Sherpa, 500 times, he knew what to expect. He'd seen every type of altitude sickness that there is. And he said, he'll know when you're beyond pushing it. He'll know when you've gone beyond the limits. He'll be the one to tell them when it's real trouble and be able to distinguish the difference between what feels like real trouble and what is just normal difficulty because he has guided hundreds through this before. And he told them, and have no doubt, if it is real trouble, he'll be the one to turn them around. Now, the two unicorn novices, they were like, okay, I got it. This is cool. And after they got that, they said, oh, and then the Sherpa said the greatest thing at the bottom of the mountain before we ever started ascending. He talked to them about mindset. He told them from the beginning, you're going to get headaches. You're going to feel nauseous. You're going to throw up. He said, this is normal when you're adjusting to the altitude. Uh, substitute altitude with low inventory. And you guys will see where I'm going with this. I just did the microphone cup thing with my hands. I just ruined the whole point of that story. Um, so then, then they said, something, they said the Sherpa told them something that really stuck with them. He said, I want you to be cautious of your body, but I don't want you to spend time dwelling on it or talking about it with your fellow hikers. Start to feel bad. You mention it to me. We will address it together. And then most of the time we're going to move on. If it gets worse, we'll address it again. But if it maintains, but it's not debilitating, we are not going to focus on the negative things because if you continue to do that over and over again, you'll miss the big picture. Did you hear that after my stupid thing in the microphone? Did you hear what the Sherpa said? 
because these two guys climbed one of the tallest mountains in the world, and that was the thing that stuck with them the most. Hit rewind. Listen to that again. Right now, if you don't listen to your Sherpa, you're going to miss the big picture. Examples, all right? Uh, I don't want to talk to Unicorn Support Team yet because I don't want to get a hard pull on my credit, okay? Missing the big picture. Uh, I can't even talk to someone yet. Dude, I've only got like $2,000 saved. I've got big student loans. There's no way I can talk to somebody. Or I've got a low credit score. Missing the big picture. You know what? I, I can't afford it right now. Interest rates are too high. Like the payment's another $500, $700, $800 a month. Missing the big picture right now. Not to mention the fact that when people complain to me about the, the, the interest rates raising their price by $500 a month, dude, your rent's going to go up $500 in the next three months. Again, missing the big picture. And then when you do get the support team and you're moving forward and the process is hard because, well, say it with me, low inventory. <laughs> and And you think that what you're running into right now, that that's the headache. That's the nausea. So you think, ah, forget it. I should just climb back down the mountain and wait until the mountain's easier to climb. Missing the big picture. The good news is a lot of those interviews that I mentioned, the people who did it in these 170, 180, 190 episodes, a lot of them said it was easier than they thought. So get your own big picture. And the only way you can get that is through the guide of a Sherpa, someone who's done it 500 times before. Do not enter into any of this if you haven't done the prep work first and got your mind in the right place. You got to believe in the math, Ted Lasso style. I think I mentioned that first way back in episode 48. And then I mentioned it a lot in episode 98, which was my own story where I didn't buy a house and I totally should have. But understanding and believing in the math, that's the first step. If you don't believe in the math, you're going to question everything and you're never going to make it to the top. You have to be one of those people that say that buying a home is the best thing for you pretty much at any time. Don't climb Mount Everest if you're trying to time the market, waiting for the exact perfect circumstances. I tell people all the time, if you're trying to time the market, I encourage you, you know what? I encourage them, don't waste the time of a solid unicorn support team that's going to work with you for six months for free, get you totally ready, and then you go, mm, I'm going to wait another year because I think the market's going to crash. Don't even do that. I I'm fine. Go ahead. Go out and do something else. I'm telling you, if you understand and listen to other people's stories from the lowest little teeny house to the big city, big houses, all of them are there and they're interviewed and everybody said, oh, once I figured out my numbers and I knew what I was doing, this was easier than I thought. That's because when you're working with the right Sherpas, their ultimate goal is to help you reach your ultimate goal. But you got to believe in your goal first. Now, once you're there with your unicorn team, they're going to be the Sherpa, the people that have been up the mountain 500 times. And when you make that choice, that's best for you and your financial well-being, for you and your family and your future, you are best served with that Sherpa team who's climbed the mountain before. They're going to tell you when to push on, and they will tell you if you need to stop. They're going to tell you what is normal nausea and what's a real problem, and they're also going to tell you when it's time to push on and it's not a real problem. And worst comes to worst, 
they'll tell you, hey, maybe we should head back down the mountain for a little bit because they've done it 500 times before. Now, I've said, you know, I did say a lot of people said that it was easy to do. Now, is it going to be easy to climb the mountain? Not always. But again, listen to the interviews and the other people who said that once they got going and they found that rare unicorn Sherpa team, they discovered the process was easier than they thought with the guidance of those expert pros. It's not always easy, but you know, sometimes if you got everything lined up, when you get into it, it can be downright simple. And if you can't do it today and the guide figures out you can't do it today, no problem. You go back to base camp, you prepare a plan until one day your Sherpa team looks at you and says, okay, gang, we're ready. You can do this. <laughs> 